0: Hello, Yes Chef listeners, how are you? Great. Now, it's a big day, very special day in the Smith household. Basically, we're going to go and meet one of my favourite chefs and talk all about pies. Tell him who it is.
2: Yes, today we've got the awesome Callum Franklin. And can I just tell you that Jordan is almost dribbling in anticipation.
0: I can't wait to get in there. Let's hope we get a little treat at the end. But who knows? Enjoy the pod. Bon app. We're here on a Monday morning. <laughs> um, Holman Diamonds, what a beautiful space. we a bit, we're massive. Never, I've never even I've never been in. You've been in before, obviously. Well, you told me you thought they charged a fiver to get in, right? It's ridiculous. I, I didn't realise yeah, you... That's right. 50 quid now. Has it gone up? Yeah. When you got this, because the heavy dog. Keep the riffraff out. Yeah, that is Jordan's problem. <laughs> well, I was like, uh, I should have ironed my shirt, bloody hell. I walked in, you know. <laughs> Very posh. Next to, I said, I should have packed my 1.1 Saxo next to all the Bentleys outside. That's what I should have. It would have looked nice. If it would have turned up. Cheekwicento. I know, like, only fills and horses. So, yeah, we're in the Holborn Dining Rooms. We're in the Rosewood House. Beautiful with Callum. Thank you. Um, and yes, this weekend, I watched The Gastronomy of Pies. Cool. Enjoy it. Do you know, what? I, I, I was annoyed that it wasn't longer. I wanted it to be. That's a good sign, isn't but it? But I was like, I literally thought, because when it was like, because that the table guy said it, not he? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They're, they're brilliant. Anyway, I'm yeah, right. very I've good. Met him before the quality, and I thought it's going to be good. If they've done it, and you're doing it, it's going to be really good. It was brilliant. It was uh, really, yeah. really music was cracking on it. Really mm. well done. I wanted it to be at least forty five minutes. You got the popcorn, I was didn't you? I was thinking, uh, take take, <laughs> a, take a night off work, go and do that. How was that to you doing that? Because you know,
3: yeah, I mean, it's interesting sort of process. It was the first time I've done something like that, and it's like, uh. Just seeing how much sort of committal they put into it was incredible. Like massive sort of like rig setups and and like a full-on team for filming. And then, uh, yeah, I just turned up and sort of tried to pretend that the cameras weren't there, which is impossible. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, that scene when
0: you walk into the, um, or oh, was it museums? And it's like kind of the beautiful music and you're looking around. And I was like, he's acting now. <laughs> I was like, this is like, you know, like, proper start of a scene
3: from like, you know. I look Eddie like Paddington yeah. Bear though. I've got a rucksack on, isn't rucksack it? Rucksack <laughs> and a nice thing. Was that all just one take? Yeah, God, no, no, that's 700. <laughs> but it was nice to watch it back and it was kind of, you felt good, proud and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And also for the team, like, the, you know, most of the kitchen team were in that film. So for them to have that as a sort of memento is, is amazing as well. But it gave us a chance to, really like properly communicate what we do here which is difficult in london like trying to make yourself sort of heard over the noise of pr and stuff like that to to be able to really sort of say this is us this is what we do was a cool opportunity
0: do you think it, it worked basically because yeah well instagram's like you're massive now on it because because like I, I constantly show my girlfriend your pies right Thank you. And she's getting, no, but is it's such sl- a point yeah, now like where she wasn't a pipe person. She's like, this is ridiculous now because it's art, yeah. isn't it? You know what I mean? So like w- when I see in the film and you, it's the drawing. It's you, because I thought you maybe done architecture or something when you were a ke- kid. Oh, maybe architecture in. No,
3: I built sandcastles. And that, stuff. Was the, that was the so last time. It. Yeah. No, and I never, I, I, I wasn't like hugely into art or drawing or anything like that when I was younger. It's that's something that's sort of, I've enjoyed later in life. um, And it all just ties in with the whole sort of, pie thing um and it was really like i honestly it's something i say a lot to the younger chefs now about when they say to me oh chef i can't do that i can't do those drawings and stuff i genuinely couldn't before it was just like it's a commitment thing and sort of taking your time to do it and uh and it taught me a lot about sort of what your limitations are you know and just because you've been told that you can't do something it's getting deep already. No, I, like morning, I, know, I like it. I know. I like it. Blimey. Also, it's the patience as well. I mean, it's like yeah. going,
0: this isn't, you know, because the thing you've chose to do and be well known for, i.e. Make, being the master of, of pies, it's a, it's a, if you're patient, you know what I mean? It's a good title <laughs> out
2: there, <isn't laughs> it's, The master
0: of pies. Sounds like the, a he-man. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah like a, a dodgy fool. wrestler. Have you <laughs> got? A,
2: have you got a special <laughs> chair? The Master of pies chair. No, but you know
0: yeah, what I mean. It. <laughs> but, <you've> got, <laughs> but you have to be paid. It's it's a long process. This is a long. it's yeah. a long game. It's learning because I think nowadays, I guess people think you know I'll go in, I'll get a good job. We can, I, I can do this. I can do this. But if you want to learn something like that and be the best, it's going to take you a, a while, isn't it? You know, yeah. Like reading, research, drawing, learning to take pictures and drawing that kind of process.
3: Yeah, and I think it's about having patience in the right things, right? So there's certain things during the day when I'm working that I don't have patience for. And I'm like, this has to be done now. This has to be done now. Why is it not done? But there's lots of other things like this, where adding a bit of time to something actually makes it much, much better. And just not being nervous that if you don't do something tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you're going to disappear. You know, no one's going to know about you, whatever. It doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? No one cares really. Like you could, you know, Chefs drop off the map for like a year and then pop back up again. And you didn't notice. You yeah, know what I mean true. None of us are that important.
2: Yeah, I suppose that goes for everyone, though. It's always in the back of your mind and something. If you're not trying hard enough, it's like, oh, you, you are going to be missed.
3: Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. But, you know, we took like five years to sort of get where we are at the restaurant. And it was a really like slow process because it's a huge place, right? So if I just one night was like, boom, just doing pies and it didn't work out. The, the owners probably would have shot me. Do you know what I mean? So we had to take our time and make sure that that worked as a sort of concept and that the guests liked it first. Um, it's all very well in like being self-indulgent and doing what you enjoy, but it's got to work in a business at the same time. Yeah, it's got to make money. People have got yeah, to buy the pies. <laughs> They're exactly, look as beautiful right? as they want, but as long as if someone doesn't buy it, it's not the same, is it? Yeah. So lots of things now I don't rush into. I take my time and sort of try and, be more conscious about making the right decision with things. And uh, yeah, it works well, I think there's probably loads of people like, we oh, would hurry up, but you know, I think it's just, it works better for me now. Like, excellent. I think this is a good time. when
2: We'll find out where all this comes from and we'll go right back. Um, we want to ask you about what might be your, or some of your first food memories.
3: Yeah. Like some pretty terrible ones. I think it? you find that a lot, <laughs> most yeah, people's are, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. You know, I someone asked me a question recently about this, about our food in the 90s and like uh what did you grow up eating? What did you grow up looking at like looking forward to and stuff? And um I don't know, I just hear lots of chefs say stuff like oh, you know, when we were foraging for wild watercress on the river banks. Oh, I used to look forward to McDonald's when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, it was like you get toys. Yeah. Wicked.
2: That's a reality.
3: Yeah, you know, well, I mean it not for everyone, but it was for me. And um yeah, I I kind of lived in a very sort of normal middle class family sort of background. So things like that were quite exciting. And you go to you go to a McDonald's party when you were younger and stuff. You don't think they do them anymore, the McDonald's party? Because we ruined it, our generation. And the
0: hamburger. When we making yeah, all, all the characters right? the hamburger the are so bad so creepy and it's like looking back now <laughs> and i remember sitting on mushrooms like you know they have the big yeah, like plastic right. mushrooms and stuff once a week you were like i go in my house to mcdonald's never more yeah. where did you grow up mate
3: uh in southeast london so yeah and i've always kind of lived around there ever since i love it down there uh, i live in greenwich now so that's a beautiful part of london it's one of my favorite you've got like Uh, the park there you've got loads of beautiful old buildings around there as well and i've just kind of come in and brought down the house prices for everyone so um yeah and like yes okay so first food memory i was trying to think about this the other day and like I, i used to eat weird stuff when i was a kid i i'd have roast beef and ketchup sandwiches like, the you know, the grey roast beef you used oh, yeah, to buy from the supermarket. Yeah. I'd have that with ketchup in and plain white bread. I was addicted to the stuff. I remember I made my brother once a, a cocktail. I think when I was about, like, probably five or six. And it was lime cordial with cucumber chopped into it. And he's never had cucumber ever since. He's like in his forties. Poisoned him. Yeah. He's forty, like I think he's forty-two now. He can't eat cucumber because I ruined him when I was five. Sounds quite nice, though.
2: We used to have something similar. We used to have the pop man come round every two weeks mm. and you'd get like nine litres of fizzy pop to like the worst take you through the, a, yeah. the week. And you'd have like Iron brew and cream soda, dandelion yeah. and burdock. So me and my brother would just All like the food groups. Currently. Yeah, would just make a cocktail, <laughs> and the colours, yeah, a on. little splash of each one, and then go out and play a football for an hour, and come back and down this glass of whatever <laughs> it was, and then not sleep for a day.
0: What happened to the pop man? I missed that. The pop man and the milkman. think you milked Yeah, they probably did. So basically, the beef sandwiches and the tomato ketchup, things like that, that you have. It's funny how you remember that you remember that one thing, don't you? Mm. That was awful, but you absolutely adored. So I, I used to have cold bacon sandwiches, so I used to get my grandma I make the bacon and I'll have it. You know, two hours later, cold bacon sandwich, Ooh, all the time, homemade soup.
2: But it was the it was the whole processed food, wasn't it? That's that's yeah.
0: the childhood food memories,
2: isn't it?
3: Yeah, and it's interesting how you. I mean, when you're a child and you're eating that all the time, you become accustomed to it. Mm. And then actually you have to sort of break out of that as an adult. And lots of people don't. Lots mm. of people continue that. And, you know, you see, I, I saw a guy on TV the other day and he was like, I, probably in his, yeah, like late 30s, I don't eat vegetables. I've never eaten vegetables. I just can't. They're disgusting. Right. That mm. is a bit mad, right? But it's, it's that thing of like, he's probably allowed to do that as a child. And no one told him no. Yeah. And then ever since, he's just been
0: like, yeah. He's missing out, man. He is. There's some good vegetables out there? There's some very good vegetables out there. They're a lot nicer than the... But you know that the people that say, I don't eat vegetables, don't eat good meat. Do you know what I mean? So they'll have crap all the time. like All the time. They'll like sloths. Do you know what I mean? Grey
2: roast beef. Grey roast beef.
0: Ketchup. I might go and get some <laughs> that. from Asda.
3: Try before you buy. Going on the grey. Um, who was the cook in your house on? Uh, it was my mum. Yeah. So my dad worked abroad quite a lot. So uh, it was generally my mum that raised the three of us. It was I have two brothers. And um, bless her, Mother's Day yesterday, I did send her a message and say like, I don't I genuinely don't know how you did it. Like we were an absolute nightmare when we were younger. Still are now probably. Um, but, she is. Yeah, she used to cook at home for us. And uh, she worked for the NHS. She was a nurse. And, um, yeah, she put, like, you know, cooked food on the table every night. It was good. It was, like, simple food. She would cook things, like, she would do pies. She'd do, like, shepherd's pie and stuff because it's just easier. It's, like, put it all in a tray. Do you know what I mean? And But she was good. And uh, nowadays she's like, why don't you give me – you never shout me out. <laughs> you know, shout me out with food and stuff so i'm doing it now <laughs> it's a late in. mother's day present <laughs> but uh yeah no she was really good she was good
2: so what what was your kind of relationship like with foods because uh, yeah i mean i suppose everyone of our generation gets kind of sucked into that whole processed food thing because it's mainly convenience isn't it mm-hmm. but then did you shy away from from vegetables and stuff at the time was a you know, you liked your rare roast beef with your ketchup. Was there any other weird stuff? Was it like you just you were open to any, any sort I was, of
3: To be food? honest with you, I was fairly open. Actually, like, if, if there was anything I didn't eat, it was actually probably because of my older brother. He was a bit weird with food. And he you doesn't know, even like, like cucumber. Yeah, I know. But there was other stuff as well. He'd be like, I don't know. Things like if you had chicken thighs, right? He, he didn't want to eat chicken thighs because it would be a little bit pink on the bone. He'd only eat chicken breast. He was posh, um, but I think you know when you like when you're like three brothers, your older brother is the one you look up to all the time. He runs the shop. Yeah, so you're influenced by him, and uh, to an extent, a little bit probably was with food. Um, until I, I there was one. I remember one day I had mushrooms at school. I hadn't eaten mushrooms until I was about probably like twelve or something. Because my brother told me they were minging. Do you know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> der, fungus. Was like, like, Why you believe, would you eat that? You believe them. Yeah, me. right. So I was at school one day and we were having school lunch. And the guy next to me just had this massive plate of mushrooms. And I was like, you're a freak. <laughs> and he was like, mushrooms are the greatest thing on the planet. And I was like, they must be pretty good. Do you know what I mean? Because this, this guy's eating a whole plate of them. So I tried one and was like, well, actually they're pretty good. And that was it. Love affair.
0: <laughs> well, you and Mushroom. You and Mushroom were <laughs> my best mates. And that was it. And then we, and then we moved to Tenerife. Um, quality. It's funny that, because I've, I've, I'm have i the older, is it, was it you the youngest? I was the middle. Middle. So yeah. I'm the oldest brother, and I've got five brothers. Wow. And um, yeah, you kind of do. I, I feel a bit guilty now because you actually do say things because you know it's going to affect them. Because <laughs> you think this is going to be funny to me.
2: What's your take on mushrooms?
0: I love mushrooms, but I had my little brother, he was massive, so it took out of sauce and everything, and we used to call yeah. him the sauce monster, so we'd give him a complex, but like really bad complex, I was like, listen mate, you know how much, you know what's in that, hammering him, hammering him all the time, and he had a big head, so we used to call him the heed, constantly hammering him about the head. Is he alright now? Well, we bought him, as a joke, for his birthday, when he was like, I don't know, like seven, he played cricket, and we bought him a helmet. And we said, look, we had to get it specially made. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? I was like, we had to get you, we had to literally get you a specially made helmet for you. So for years and years, oh, wow. he thought his head was bigger than anyone's in the world for a seven-year-old.
3: <laughs> but it's just, that's funny yeah. game. What, where was he in the uh, sort of five? He was the youngest of, yeah, of that, yeah. That's so, the worst, isn't it? Oh wow. my God, we hammered him. We locked him
0: in a boot of a, of a car by accident. And he, I think it affected, scarred him for life. You know the joke, we, I closed the boot. Uh, it's all funny. We closed this thing. We had footballs in the boot. He tried to get a football. I said, get that football, close the boot. It wouldn't reopen. And my dad was on the top floor of the house. And the, I've never felt the, the screams he was giving me. He was going, ah. <laughs> I was like, you're in a boot. The, I will get the keys and you will. It was like, you're yeah, okay. screaming. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Big what, shout out to apologies
3: to the brothers. It, poor younger brothers. Right? We, we ruined mine as well. And my mum was involved in that as well.
0: Actually, on yeah. So
3: here we go. I'm canceling out what I said before. <laughs> right. So uh, I, don- I genuinely don't know how my younger brother's turned into a normal human being for the stuff we used to do to him. But there was one who he, he won an award at school. And it was like school sort of awards day thing. And he knew he was going to get up on stage and get his award. My mum was like, let's do him. <laughs> let's do him at this thing. So that's terrible. She gets these. We Went, I think we'd been to Euro Disney or something like that, and there was a picture of him with these like Mickey Mouse ears, these massive sunglasses, and she got t shirts printed with it on. I and we all know. turned up as a family with these t shirts on. Scarred and when he work. got up, yeah, he got up on stage, and we we're all applauding him. And everyone was looking at you like, You're animals, a lot of you. That is <laughs> like, harsh.
2: Oh man, they
0: always turn out all right though, the youngest. Yeah, so we, we, we can't worry too much, they need a bit of a ribbon.
2: Right, back to food. Yeah, yeah. this. I want to go to Euro Disney. I
0: just remembered how much fun it is.
2: So so food at school, you were a yeah, dinner Yeah, school of. dinners. That was, your, that was your thing. You went packed lunch. It's either one or the other, right? You, no one mm. really
3: dabbles in both.
0: No, that'd be a bit odd if you went, well, I want to bring a packed lunch on Friday.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, pretty much everyone was school dinners at mine. And it was, what do I remember? Chocolate sponge chocolate mm. custard chocolate custard that's a weird thing wasn't it it just looks like shit it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's, full it's up. this kind of strange
0: gray custard they don't give yeah, it they do not care as well do they it's like whatever we can it's like the ice cream scoop with the mash mash yeah, yeah that's perfectly it. was it did you have a good relationship though at school with food
3: no i mean back then i i'd, I'd That's another thing when you hear a lot of chefs say, you know, I always dreamt of being a chef when I was like by my grandmother's knee while she was making stews and stuff. I didn't, you know, back then I had a sort of normal relationship with food. Um, It was only really when I turned, I think I was 16, was when I got my first job in a restaurant and it was just to sort of go out and make some pocket money. And um, I was really bad at school. I hated school like, well I enjoyed going to school and seeing my friends and stuff but I hated any sort of like exams or studying or stuff like that it's just not me it's not I'm not someone who can sit down and sort of do studying and um. my brothers both of them were, were doing really well at school and it like freaked me out you know I was like I didn't know what I wanted to do and your teachers are like you're a bit of a dunce mate and all of that and uh and then I took this job as a kitchen porter when I was 16 in a restaurant. And I remember on the first day I was like, this is me. Not washing up, but I was like, this is, you know, i work the kitchen. Yeah. And it was just like the, the biggest release ever. Like this stress off me, all the weight off my shoulders of not knowing what I was going to do with my life and whatever. I was just like, well, for the moment, at least, I know what I want to do. And it was really cool. And I kind of went back to my brothers and was like, Up yours. Nice. It's a good thing
0: as well when you're 16, I guess, going to a kitchen, you can see that you can grow. There's not many jobs at 16 you can go into going, Well, I'm going to get bigger and bigger. Because in the kitchen, you can see someone who started as a pot washer. A lot of of the best chefs have started as KP.
3: Yeah. And then you realize how hard it is as well. Yeah. (laughs) And there's like, that's the other thing is that. It's this, like, completely open playing field. It doesn't matter who your dad is. It doesn't matter what school you went to. That None of that makes any difference. All that matters is how hard you work, and that's it. And you can be successful. And that really appealed to me. It's like, okay, I've got a shot at this. If I work really hard, I can make something out of myself in this industry. You know, and I've I've always loved that about this job. And anyone that comes into it with a different attitude of like, well, they find out quickly. (laughs) They leave quickly. So, I mean, it's really just about applying yourself as hard as you can. Did you work really hard when you were 16? How fast did you move up? I mean, yeah. I mean, when you're 16, you go through that initial sort of phase of like, all of a sudden, your mates are going out on a Friday night, Saturday night. And you're like, oh you're up to your elbows in dishes and whatever. And it's a bit weird and you have to get your head around that, but that goes quite quickly. I think you get wrapped up into the sort of restaurant life very quickly. And, uh, yeah, especially when you, I mean, you start hanging out with hospitality people more and stuff like that. And, um, it's weird. All of those friends I have from school, I probably have like a handful now that I see every now and then. And really it's, it's, the majority of my friends are in the industry. Like, I think it's just because you have the same Tuesday nights off work and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: So when when did food really start to take form when you work in the restaurants?
3: Yeah, from quite early on, I think. I mean, that's that's one of the sort of joys of a restaurant. Of like when you go into it for the first time and see the environment, it's that thing of like, especially back then when it was quite like big aggressive kitchens you're like you know you got you're you're a, a youngster sort of scroat at 16 and you're surrounded by quite big aggressive guys screaming and shouting all the time and then at the same time they're like you know plating these very pretty little dishes and I was like wow that's quite cool you know and it's like they're allowed to have a bit of creativity and and put their sort of personality into the food. And then they go out afterwards and, and do like... Terrible things. <laughs> you said that, not me. Yeah, I was yeah. helping you out, Calum. like that. pirates, do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, but it is, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's the
0: kind of brigade, you know, the kind of team that are all going out together afterwards. That was a joy when I, I was a chef and I'm going into the first job when I was 15, 16. It was just the fact that I was allowed to go out with... just get drunk with men. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And they would take me to pubs and they'd be like, by the way, he's with us. Yeah. I mean, this is all right in Cumbria back in 19, well, 1990 or whatever. Just a nice way. I was like, I'm going out. I'm drinking. I'm going out to a club. I'm 16 with a 60 year old bloke who works in pastry. Do you know what I mean? It's like, one
3: night day. Yeah. Pastry.
0: Yeah, But it's literally that kind of stuff. The pirates. That whole journey from,
2: from, from when you've, you've gone into this first kitchen. Mm. Kind of, how quickly did, did that develop into thinking? Yeah, you might have found your, you got an idea of what you wanted to do for the moment, but mm. was was there a particular time, or you know, when you start experiencing different jobs within kitchens, you're like, actually, this this is uh, now I can see a clear path.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think for the first probably like ten, almost fifteen years, you're still just like finding your. It's, that's crazy, isn't it? But you're still finding your feet, finding out where your sort of, your right spot is in the industry. Um, maybe not, might not be like that for everyone, but it was for me, I was still like, you know, I've got to learn still and I've got to work hard and sort of get all the attributes of just running a business first and then I can do my my thing, do you know what I mean? And um, a lot of that comes from um, the sort of insecurity of like, is this the right thing for me? Are people going to enjoy it? Um, Looking at what other people are doing that are successful and sort of wondering whether or not you should do what they're doing. And, um, and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that I, I made my decision where I was like, actually, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. This is what I enjoy. People seem to enjoy it as well. I'm going to start gunning down this road. And, uh, it's life-changing when you make that decision, when you have that confidence in yourself to do it. Um, especially that thing of just, like, not worrying about what other people are doing and how successful they are. It's like, it doesn't matter. A lot of people say that, don't they, that that's the, that's the
0: thing that needs to, needs to happen inside you, that you stop caring about other people. Mm. You just follow your kind of gut.
3: Yeah, absolutely, right? And, um, as, I mean, genuinely, if you are just doing... What makes you happy? It doesn't matter if it's if it's not that successful. Do you know what I mean? You can you can scale it down a little bit, but you're still going to go in every morning and be happy with what you're doing. And really, that's all that matters. If you're trying to imitate something or trying to find success by looking at what other people do, you'll never quite have that and achieve that. So, yeah, make pies. I think it's fantastic.
0: But when we're on like now, you've said pie. I can go in. Right? I can get geeky now. So, because I'm, i I've been obsessed with looking at your pies for a long time now. Because I just think they're wonderful and beautiful and piece of art. You know what I mean? Do, you, did you just find a mold in an old pie mold and you went upstairs or something in a loft? Is that true?
3: Yeah, that was a big step. So um we had, oh, we do have this kind of big store in the bottom of this building. I mean, this so building's insane, that, right? Though,
0: isn't yeah. Going
3: to find some sort of like yeah. treasures. This building's like over a hundred years old and they have this kind of huge store downstairs, which has got equipment from the last hundred years, sort of not all of it from a hundred years ago, but, um, uh, I was kind of, I, I like, it's like an Aladdin's cave and I go down there and sort of have a dig around and I found this old pie mold and I rubbed it and a genie. No, and, uh <laughs> <laughs> and I was like three wishes right? <laughs> yeah. you have infinite money. pies <laughs> get your hairline back no <laughs> uh, and, I, and I was like I, I kind of knew what it was but not 100% um, and I took it up to the kitchen and said to the guys look has anyone used one of these before and it was a sort of rectangular tin but everything came apart and there was like interlocking keys in it and stuff it sounds like Jumanji or something, it does doesn't, doesn't it, it? Oh, I and And no one knew what it was. I have 35 chefs and no one knew what it was or how to use it. So I was like, wow, this is, that's pretty crap. None of us know. So we should find out. And that set me down this kind of road of like, are we forgetting some of these old skills? Are they being lost by our generation? Not by the new generation, but it's us really that are to blame for it. Um, Because uh, they're vital some of these skills. I mean, you, that was a pate en croup mold, which is that like old French preparation of pie. And um, just within it, within that preparation, there's so many skills that you pick up and disciplines just from making freaking cold pie. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, it's about uh, making sure every step is followed. There's like all the disciplines that come with pastry work, all the disciplines that come with charcuterie work, with the baking of it as well and then yeah i don't know and stuff like that i just thought it's quite sad if we don't pass that on to the next generation then it might start kind of slipping away
2: mm-hmm. <clears throat> so do did did, from finding that one pie mold mm-hmm. that made you rethink things in a, in a different way
3: yeah, well, because I think it made me want to go away and do more research and more sort of uh, discovery about stuff like that. Um, it just opened up my mind a bit more to that sort of road, and um, yeah. And then I'm I'm fully, fully obsessive as a person. Stay away, women. I'm joking. I've got a wife. <laughs> I've got a wife. Bless her. Um, but it's yeah. So when some when I find something that really interests me. I'll lock into it. And um, that was, I mean, we're, we're like scratching the surface with pies. There's so much history and sort of uh, information and detail out there. Um, when was when was this? Sorry, So how long ago was this then? Was this, I, was so this for five f- years? Yeah, or? so that's four years ago now. I think it was about four years ago when we did the first ever pate. I mean, I was doing pies or, like already in the restaurant, not quite to the extent that we were doing now we were still sort of testing the water in the restaurant with it at the time. But when that happened, that was when I really went into the sort of very detailed stuff. You must have found out some pretty
2: mad things doing all that research because pies go back to like, well, when does, when do it go back? When yeah.
3: They- I mean, we look at stuff from the 1700s in recipes and, um, there's lots of stuff in pies that you probably wouldn't put in pies nowadays. Um, to be able to take some of those recipes and to apply the techniques that we know today and the ingredients that we have today um, is really cool. And to be, you know, to take something that was like probably 30% inedible and to make it completely beautiful and edible. um, But sticking to some of the original sort of ingredients, I think it's a little bit of like a nod back at history and respect to those the pie men of the past. It's got to be so disciplined as well. Like I said before, regarding
0: like the patience. To do. This is a, this is a long process cooking. Mm. Do you know what I mean? This is like you said, skilled cooking. And I think once you get that, the satisfaction you must get back yeah, compared bit, to yeah. doing, cause you've worked in, you know, many different restaurants. Mm. Now you've got your own. It's like, it must be such a brilliant feeling. Yeah, when that it, it comes it, off. Yeah, like- I mean, obviously it must be, Foul when it doesn't come off. Yeah. <laughs>
3: when the body comes out, it was not that good. <laughs> yeah. It, it's Sometimes it's a bit heartbreaking, but we all know it's a learning process. So if something goes wrong, at least I've, I will learn something from it. And I'll know that next time that I do it, that's that's what I'll avoid or whatever. But if it's like, yeah, sometimes it's a three-day process to make something. And when it goes wrong, then yeah. What's, what is the type of room. things
2: that can go wrong from it?
3: Well, okay, so like I would, I've, there's where I, I've gone so posh now, right? where I live now, there's a pottery next to me. Oh, here we go. And uh, I was, <laughs> <Tuesday> <laughs> I was sitting, Maze Hill Pottery, beautiful. I love pottery. I love yeah. the pottery program
0: on BBC. It's amazing.
3: The Great yeah, British Throwdown. Right.
0: That guy just starts crying when he sees a plate. You, seen, you know, the big guy, I saw him in Margate. I couldn't believe it. I you just would-
3: show him a plate and see if he cried.
0: <laughs> he saw, someone made like this beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful plate. And he just looked at it and he just burst into tears. I was like, Jesus, wept. I was like, you know, I I love pies, yeah? And, and I'm sure you <laughs> love pies. But, not f- I mean, if you cry, Callum, if have you ever, how many times have you cried at a Pate on Crude?
3: I'm dead inside. <laughs> I don't cry.
0: <laughs> sorry, carry on. Back, I'm soulless. To the, no. po- back to the pottery, sorry. Yeah, mate. yeah.
3: So, like, I was thinking, I was thinking, no, it'd be quite cool to sort of go in there and do some work with them. And, but there's, this is the thing, right? There's a big difference between stuff like that when you're, like, doing sculpture and design. And then when you put it into practice with a pie, the big problem is is it's largely fat-based, right, the pastry. So when you make something, like, super elegant and sort of structured, and then you put it in an oven, the first thing is immediately it goes soft. So you have to always sort of keep that into consideration. And um, that's the sort of thing that's quite cool to sort of work out is how you get get around those things. And, like, when we did the the goose pie at the beginning of the year with uh, Polly Russell from the British Library. That was one of the big things with that. So we're going to have wings on it. All right, how do we get wings on a pie? And uh, yeah, we we kind of sat down as a team and worked that one out. And, and it didn't work the first time, didn't work the second time. And the third time we got it right. I was like, "Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've actually made a, like a bird-shaped pie." It's it's science as well. It's science. It's building. It's mm. it's
0: everything together. And it, like you said, if you haven't got that obsession, mm. kind of couldn't do it, could you?
3: You wouldn't be bothered, I think. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much work. But um, and it's quite cool as well because what, like what at the end of the day, I sound like am on Jeremy Carl. Um, at the end of the day, <laughs> um. It's not mine half. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I
0: had to do it. It's not mine. Honestly, look at it.
3: (laughs) Sorry. Um, Yeah, no, you cut it in half and you eat it and then that's it done. And you have to do it again. I quite like that. I like that. It's a sort of, um, not throwaway, but you just constantly have an opportunity to do it better. And I, I, I'm never happy with anything, anything that I make never a hundred percent happy. So, uh i never have that thing to sort of look at and just be like the bastard child you know i get more and more resentful about the one <laughs> thing that's wrong with it um because it's been eaten and we have an opportunity just to go again and try and get better
2: has there never been a pie where you make it and you, and you look at it and you're like oh that is absolutely superb
0: like the, like the crying potter
2: and you're like don't cut it just <laughs> just leave it you know three days later
0: it's still there it's like a wedding cake and big now with all the all the big crazy cakes you get yeah i would just be like i paid 2 grand for that no one's touching that cake Do you know i, I don't know I, yeah. if I look at it i'm going to spray paint it you know i'm going to spray it a little hairspray so no one touches it or whatever
3: no i'm weird i'm the opposite so i'm like once i've made something i i almost kind of push it away from me i'm like that I, I, well, I don't know what it is. It's weird. I've got a really strange sort of Isn't relationship it like an with
2: that. emotional detachment.
3: Yeah, maybe right. <laughs> I'm like done it, fairly happy with it. Never want to see it again. And do you like do that. you eat them all? I
0: mean, do do you love eating them? Or have yeah, you got, absolutely. So, have you got so much into pies? It's more the the obsession with making them, uh, more than tasting them. If that makes sense.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's a mix. It's a good mix, a healthy balance. That's why I'm not too fat like fairly fat at the moment but um that's i mean it's like it literally is 50 50 with me with how it you know how the the design comes out but also like what's inside it and that it's tasty right and that's really important too and like nailing the cooking of if we're doing like a cold pie and it's got say like it's got game birds in there and stuff that they all come out pink and beautiful and yeah stuff like that it's just as complex as doing the the sort of pastry side of things
2: so you're saying that i mean it is really really com- complex so how how far through that journey did you get where you really felt you were confident with it
3: i'm still not no like I'm literally i mean we're still I'm, I'm being honest with you we're still scratching the surface of of what there is to do and uh okay i'm fairly confident
2: if you had to mark yourself out of 10 what would you give yourself
3: it's like a solid six, really? Right?
0: Yeah, but that makes me as a customer what, yeah. so happy that you are saying that because I know that if you're, if I think you're at this level now, you, your team and you, yeah, in a year's time, I'm still going to be every looking on your thing and seeing on Instagram and seeing this new a new invention, a new pipe. Because yeah. sometimes I think when you do get to that point, when you think, okay, we're doing good here, mm. you know, especially when you're working in such a big place like you are. It's not just a small, it's not just a small place. It's just as pies. It's a hotel. It has to make money, make money. Yeah. It's good that you've got, you've just scratched the surface and it's going to get bigger and bigger. Hopefully.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I do genuinely feel like there's not enough hours in the day to sort of get that stuff done. I'm always thinking of things that I want us to do. And uh, it's only really recently that I've I've learned that I need to communicate that better to the chefs that I'm working with because I can sort of internalize it. And I have all these stupid ideas sort of bouncing around in my skull. Not, maybe not stupid, but quite complex as to where I want the business to go and us to like, develop as a team. And now really I kind of sit down with all my seniors. I'm like, this is what I want. This is our goal at the moment for this year and what I think we can achieve. And then this is what I think if we really push, we can achieve in a year. And what do you want to go for? And they always go, let's go for the big one.
0: So you're allowed. To cre- they really give you as much creativity as possible.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been very lucky here at the Rosewood, right? That I think uh, it was a, there was an understanding on both sides that I, I built the business up to a point where uh, the restaurant's always busy, right? Always pumping. Um, so the owners are very happy here, and alongside that. They they kind of let me do what I want as long as the business is good. And um, convincing someone who owns, you know, this huge five star property in London that I'm going to build a pie room yes. on the side I'll of get the pie room next <laughs> right, and and I'm going to have pie hole written on the window. Get windows. in. They must yeah. love
0: you.
2: Did you have a beer in the home when you were presenting that?
3: Yes. <laughs> it does sound like a jardy <laughs> think to do, doesn't it? It's like you read. I've got a pie put a pie hall <laughs> yeah. on the side of your building. Right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like someone who's turned up for late for like uh an emergency finance meeting, how we're we gonna save money <laughs> to keep the business going. You're like, what about we build a pie room? Yeah. No, but it was they were really receptive to it. And um, especially when I kind of explained it's not just a kitchen, you know, it's it's gonna be part of sort of uh showing that period of history of pie rooms, Victorian London, and uh that I was I, I actually kind of said to them, Look, with the design of it, please, if you just let me run with it, I'll I'll really sort of pay you back. Um, and we did. We put a lot of time and effort into getting that room right. And um I remember saying to one guy, I was like giving him this dramatic speech and was like I'll sleep you know I'll be working through the night if I have to to get it right and whatever and uh, and he was like yeah I know you will I know you will. and he was and it was right you know I was kind of there was a lot of late nights sort of doing drawings and still got all those original drawings of the room um but it was something that I wanted to reflect like my passion for that style of food and and the the design of the room was was really to reflect the work that goes on in it so it was all about attention to detail and refinement and if you go in there now there's jazz music playing in the morning the chefs are kind of working in a very controlled way very busy but controlled and um if I put them in a sort of tatty kitchen with flour everywhere that wouldn't reflect in the work always your work's uh, you know affected by your environment um so, yeah, there was a lot of love put into those original sort of design stages.
2: I bet you couldn't wait for once that got finished, and you were like,
3: "Yeah, but do you know what i I mean, this is what we were talking about earlier about time and about um having patience because I probably delayed the opening by about six months by continually just being like,, "Yeah, this isn't quite right, take it back, you know." we the doors the actual doors that go out onto the the main road where you can see in i always wanted like a glass frontage right completely glass but with uh just like a shelf kind of halfway up so when we open these little windows hatch windows still the entire wall is glass and you can see straight in and and i was told by so many people like it's not possible you, you we won't be able to manufacture doors like that in brass and and they went back three times, I think, to the, the manufacturer that we went with in the end. But finally, they got it right. And I, you know, don't regret pushing back dates like that. You'll have to look at them if it was the wrong door. And from, from having
0: a conversation with you for half an hour, I know that you'd be pissed off for about five years looking at them doors yeah, when you're working yeah, yeah. in there.
3: Exactly. I'd never turn around in that room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're saying regarding, like, so you've got a team of 35 here, and um, it's Knox, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I follow her as well. She's wonderful, and like yeah, just she's like brilliant. really good. And like to find stuff is rock hard anyway in your industry. To find stuff that will do this kind of work, mm. and like, is it difficult to find someone who has
3: who shares that passion with you? I think. Uh, it, I mean, it took me a while to find the, or to pick out the right person for that role, because I. I needed to make sure the right things were in place. So it was like the passion for that style of cooking, but also the sort of discipline that was needed as well to run that kitchen. Um, and, you know, I was working with Knox anyway, kind of on the project. And then I, I just realized after time that she was the right person. But we, I mean, I have like every day I have people applying to come and work in that room. And Have you ever got a CV from Jordan? Oh, maybe I've never been there. <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll just clean the pastry cutters, mate. I'm just, I'm just turning off. But you know what's, I mean, look, one of the, another one of the reasons why we built that room was exactly this. It was like the sort of staffing crisis in the UK. And um, we looked at different things over time about that with, so I I looked analytically at it first in in our sort of second year, why, you know, who are we losing as chefs in the shortest period of time? What stage are they at in their career? We sort of broke it down mathematically and um, it was like CDPs. They were the worst, right? We were always losing CDPs in the shortest period of time. And, uh, and I was like, well, let's just stop hiring them. That's it. <laughs> it's the fastest way to kind of solve this problem. Let's just hire commie chefs from now on. And uh, what that sort of afforded us was um, to offer people a clear route of progression with no one coming in above them. Right. So they always see a sort of if they work hard and they apply themselves, it's always the opportunity to be promoted. Like you at sixteen. Yeah, right. And uh so that was a good step for us when we did that. I had a strong senior team. I had like Mark Knox and the guys um that have all been there since the opening of seven senior chefs. So they that could support that system. And uh and then with the pie room, it was what do we offer chefs here? Like, And I for just, me, yeah, the I'm only reason I now. would leave a place was because I felt that I wasn't learning more at the speed that I wanted to. So I was like, well, why don't we have a room where specifically you're taught skills that you might not be taught anywhere else in the UK uh, where on a day-to-day basis. And
0: people can watch you. Your customers can
3: actually interact. It must yeah. be
0: great for someone who's coming in. I'm learning from you, learning from Knox and the, and the team, mm. but to see, to have people come up to you and go like, so how are you doing that? So what, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, first hand, it's a pat on the back. It's like,
3: your work's very good. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And this is, t- you could see him bite into it and be like, mm, this is bloody lovely, you know? Yeah. I, do you know what? I had one, I don't think I've ever said this in, in sort of public, but I I had one guest come to the window once and he ordered a Scotch egg, right? So we, we serve all the healthy snacks in the pie room, Scotch eggs, sausage rolls, pies, mashed potatoes, You're five gravy. five a day. You're five yeah. a day, yeah. All the vegetable groups covered. And uh, this guy came to the counter and was like, I'll have a Scotch egg, please. And we have a sandwich board there with the prices on. There's a menu in front of you on the, de- on the sort of little uh, shelf when you go up to the window. And uh, he was like £4.50 for a Scotch egg. That is like... I'm going to say exactly what he said, but he was like, that is absolutely ridiculous. And really started kicking off. Like Jeremy Cale again. (laughs) Yeah. At the end of the day, (laughs) that's the most expensive Scotch egg I've ever seen. And I was like, it's it's fine. Like, you know, we can refund you straight away. I'm really sorry that it's too expensive, but we, we won like best Scotch egg in the country in, in the competition. It's really good meat. It's really good egg. uh, But if, you know, if you want to swap it, it's fine. And he was like, no, I'm not cheap. I'm gonna have this Scotch egg, and I was like, "Okay, all right, fine." And he's like, "God, it's expensive, though, isn't it?" And at this point, I was starting to it. get, <laughs> I was starting to get really upset, you know, really angry. But I was trying to keep calm. And uh, and he sort of like punched his egg in the air as he walked off. Like, God damn this egg! And uh, and I just kind of stood in the corner and was like, "Take a breath, Callum." And then I heard him come back. Right, came back to the window, this Scotch egg, and I was like, "Yeah, mate, what?" And he goes, "That's the best Scotch egg I've ever had." <laughs> and I was like,
2: I "Have another one." <laughs> <laughs> I can just so, picture Michael Caine with a Scotch egg, egg. Yeah. just like. Ah. I'll tell
0: I tell you what,
3: though, yeah, it, it must be nice, though. That must have been like, yes, it was funny at the time because it, it was a roller coaster of emotions in a few minutes. Do you know what I mean? And. uh So you have that really interesting interaction with people all the time. One thing that's really cool is when people walk past and they see the room and they're like, oh, do you know what? At home, I've got this thing and it would look amazing in there. And it happens all the time. Like what? So like people give me like copper, pie molds, stuff like that that just don't fit in their house that they've inherited from someone. And they're like, "I'd love it to be in your room because it would just look beautiful." And that's uh, really nice. That yeah, it's really, it really nice, cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And then I sell them for loads of money on eBay. Yeah, harder. <laughs> <And>, uh, harder. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got one guy who's bought us two things. He's a he's a painter now, but he was a chef when he was younger. He's out like in his 60s, and he's bought me a lobster pie mold and a, and a fish one recently. And we brought him in for lunch with his son and sort of cooked him a load of pies and it was really yeah, nice but one woman brought me um it was her dad had a butcher shop in Brighton and I he, he, like, passed away like 30 years ago or something like that And she brought me his original book because a butcher's encyclopedia and the the last original butcher's bags the paper bags from his shop and we've got them in the pie room and it's like stuff like that's really cool. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Really, really it's cool. It's a little nod to tradition as well. Yeah. Like all the, yeah.
2: Have you got like a favorite thing in there? Anything that's kind of.
3: I can't say that. A special. No. Cause I'll just break people's hearts now. Well, they're probably not going to be listening. I <laughs> <laughs> hope so. i the great. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm good. Oh, come on. I'm joking. I've I'm joking. Oh, um, actually got them all here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. We got me now. At the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, Okay, so I mean, we've got stuff from all over Europe. Wherever we go and cook around Europe, I'm always looking for little things in antique shops and stuff like that. And uh, we've got one thing, and it's actually this little tomato mold. And it's tiny, but it's so detailed. It's in copper. And um, that sort of meant a lot to me. I had it right at the beginning. It cost me a fortune. I got it from a market in France. And... Um, it was just about the sort of like mad level of detail that you can put into something for something that you literally would eat in like once it's made in a, in a bite. And someone has spent like hours and hours and hours making this beautiful little copper mold to get the pastry right. And I was like, yeah, that's really like a cool sort of sign of what we should do here. And um, that, yeah, it's still there in the room. Have, like you, have you made
2: stuff it. for that then?
3: No, it's like I mean it's probably a couple of hundred years old. So I might give someone like a Victorian illness if I could. Yeah. sentimental. Yeah. I mean. what, what would you
2: sell that for? for the Scotch egg? I know 50 it He'd be bad. <laughs> It'd be straight back, wouldn't it? So where do you get your ideas from in terms of like you know new recipes and what 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 you can put into a pie?
3: So at the moment we we're, we're looking back to sort of look forward with recipes. So we're doing a lot of work looking at the the sort of very first recorded recipes of pies. And that like kind of what we touched on before, not everything is really like, does it grab you as something you want to eat? There's, you know, there's not a huge demand for swan in pies anymore and stuff like that. There was, I found a badger, badger pie recipe badger the other day. <laughs> yeah. and uh, Can you imagine it? So yeah, yeah but
0: Canada, they have, um, what do they have in there? A bit like a badger, but it's not it's Bodger? no it's got a big tail big tail i don't know the beaver. Oh, beaver. yeah they have beaver the matty materson episode when he has beaver ah and then um, that they say it's really really tasty beaver pie beaver pie that yeah, sounds terrible a- callum that's happening <laughs>
3: right um yeah i don't have to, I, I wouldn't put that on the menu maybe i'd word it differently yeah um water bear pie something oh, like that, that sounds water good bear pie. yeah it sounds
2: like a children's book
0: yeah, it's a bit Roald Dahl-esque, isn't it? But there must be, that's the thing, there's so much creativity you can have with that, you know what I mean? It is like Roald dahl you know, it's all the old kind of thing.
3: we obviously getting a lot from architecture as well, like I yeah. said before. Yeah, so that's it was what, the design. Yeah. So that came from like, um, like the sort of looking at chefs who, you know, you see them on Netflix and stuff talking about, oh, you know, I grew up in the forests of Bratislava and, uh, you know, I want to connect with them and, and feel part of my surroundings. And I love that stuff. I think it's really cool and romantic, but I grew up in a city and like, how do I get in touch with the number 47 Pigeons. bus? And,
2: <laughs> Pigeons. Yeah. <what>? Pigeon. <laughs>
3: pigeon pie. Yeah. But, but I love living in a city. I always have, and I always miss it when I go to the countryside. So I miss the smell of like, you know, of buses and of like a busy, I, I went to Bangkok when I was like in my sort of mid twenties and I, and it's, Bonkers that city, but I love it. I love that sort of uh, tenacity of, of a city, and um that's a big word. So if it's <laughs> well, appropriate, so <laughs> you yeah, uh, should have said badger.
0: But I, that's what I do constantly. say a massive word in the middle of it, and go, oh, yeah, done well. He's done well. He's not <laughs> any completely yeah. inappropriate. But... <laughs> I love it. I love it.
3: Uh, yeah, so the tenacity of a city, and uh yeah, and I wanted to find a way to sort of link what we do. With that, so find this like put that sense of place into the food and uh and I was like well i like I love architecture, I love sort of looking around cities and seeing stuff, and uh, I think it was just one day I saw like i I'm, i couldn't even probably tell you exactly what it was, but I saw something and was like, "Oh, do you know what that would look really cool if I put that into pastry onto a design on a pie and uh and ever since then i've sort of really. Put a lot of work into that. So going and doing sketches and coming back and then putting that onto a larger scale and then working out how we translate that into design on a pie. So it's practical as well. And uh, largely, it's impractical. And chefs all kind of look at me and just think, "What is like what is going on in your skull? Like how are we gonna? How are we possibly gonna translate this into something that we can produce 200 of a day?" But then we do it. Do you know what I mean, and and we find a way of doing it, and that's like the fun of it, I think.
2: Absolutely. Do you do you have a favourite pie yourself?
3: It's like asking me to choose between my children. You have got an answer.
2: You just don't want to say.
3: Yeah. Do you know what? Uh, like it's quite simple, but a hot pork pie. Absolutely killer. Absolute killer. And if I had someone coming from a country where they have no sort of culture of pies, I'd get them to eat a hot pork pie first and just, cause it's, you know, it's like, a, it's something that goes back for years in our country as a style of pie, be it the the hot water pastry and the pork filling, but to have it hot, and like something that I only had probably like six years ago it was the first time I had a hot one. It changed my life, changed my life. Honestly, I it's sat the in a pub. pub. Oh. I was in the West Country and I had one at the bar. I was like, why well, have I never had a hot one before? All the fat in it just, stuck, you know. Beautiful. Oh. Oh, I mate, just,
0: I can just see you now. It's like smoking a pipe in between. You know what <laughs> I mean? In this beautiful kind of like. Just going out badger hunting. On his own, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got his ducks hanging with his yeah. coat. you know, like. <laughs> Shotgun over him. the shoulder. Oh, mate. It's beautiful. I remember having them with beans, just pie, just like mm. warm, warm pot pie and beans. Oh, yeah,
3: Christ. So, what, what's the future of pies? Uh, so, I mean, the pie room has its limitations, right in in the in the respect of its size. Um, so, what we're going to hopefully do is we're going to build a much bigger kitchen as well. So, I already have i have three kitchen four kitchens now. For the one restaurant, right? So I have like a main kitchen where most of the chefs are based and then I have a kitchen that's in the front of the restaurant where we do a lot of like the cold stuff, like charcuterie and oysters and stuff like that. We have the pie room and I have a pastry kitchen downstairs. I want to build another one. I have to do some work with the owners on this one. Um, well,
0: that's what the owners are listening to this. But a, <laughs> them off, aren't we? I Just have to speaking.
3: convince them to lose a car park for me to be able to build it as well. But... um that's the that's the next step in the evolution of the restaurant. And that's really gonna allow us to put a lot more work into the sort of what goes inside the pie as well. So we're gonna have more space to do more charcuterie work and develop that program, like sausage work and stuff like that. And uh and we're gonna call that a commie kitchen. So from day one, if you can come you can come to us with no skills, that's what I kind of intend to get to. So no skills day one as a chef. You'll be able to come with us, come into that kitchen and learn how to cook and get paid for it. All right? That is just that, That's going to
0: be amazing. I mean, if you had, if you were sixteen, put yourself back there when you're sixteen mm. and the first time you walked in, imagine having somebody or a team that just want you to learn. Yeah. Because like when I when I, mean, I went got a first job in the kitchen, they didn't want you to learn. Mm. <laughs> they just wanted to kick you about a bit and, have a, and then you made sandwiches. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Having that thing we're
3: in a really good place if you can do that we're in a really good place yeah so that's that's one of those goals that I kind of realised that I had to communicate properly to the other chefs recently and I was like I know that if we if we all get it kind of like properly into our hearts we'll make it happen do you know what I mean We'll, we'll make it happen and and for me it's a big step for sort of you can moan all you like about oh you know chefs come come to you now and they're not they don't know anything they think they know the world but they don't know anything or there's not enough chefs and it's like well do something about it and this is what we're going to do and I think it's uh, if anything it's just a cool little step for the restaurant in progression as well
2: and losing a car park that's easy
3: yeah say, <laughs> <laughs> Central London. I lose my keys once a day I should be able to lose a car park right? exactly yeah. there you go um,
0: whereabouts because obviously it sounds like you don't have a day off much, but when you do have a day Tuesday. off, yeah, Tuesday mm. nights, when you do get to have a time, it, where, where do you and your missus go? Where do you go? What, what, what excites you apart from your own place?
3: Uh So, uh, we, what, like a good place? So, so what's, your, got- what's
0: your day off restaurant you go to?
3: Oh, so, I don't know. Do, that's one of the cool things about London. So I think there's so many restaurants in the city that if you're like, if you sit down and say, where should we go and eat today? What restaurant? It's, you can you sit there You're for hours. Great, can't you? Right? Yeah. So what we do is we go, okay, what area of London should we go out in today? So say we're like, let's go to Hackney, right? Go to hang out in Hackney. Okay, well, what restaurants are there? And then you kind of narrow down that list. And actually, like on the Hackney Road, we went to one recently, The Laughing Heart. And nice. It is fierce. It is such a good restaurant, and for ages I didn't go because it's really cool, and I'm not cool. I, <laughs> I'm like the absolute opposite of cool. And uh, you're stuck
2: in that six out of ten. Yeah. you're not a six out of ten.
3: No, no. Honestly, like, I, I'm not. And like, I dress in a way that if a cool person dressed as I do, they could get away with doing it ironically. But that's actually how I dress, right? <laughs> so um, yeah, so I was a bit intimidated about going to a restaurant like that because I know it's cool, and uh, and we just had an amazing time. There's a guy Charlie who owns it. I think he's called Charlie, big bear of a guy. He's ex sommelier. Well, he still is sommelier. And he has a wine shop underneath, and he's just hospitality. He's just through the bone, hardcore hospitality makes you feel like you're the most important people in the room. I love that. It was the first time I ever met him and, and I felt like I knew him by the end of the meal, like all my life. Do you know what I mean? And it was oh, just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Food is like spectacularly good. It's Tom, who's he's just been on GBM, I think, or he's still on it. He's doing really well on Great British Menu. And the cooking, you know, it's, it's simple cooking, but at the same time, it's like hugely complex because it's simple. Like it's all about the sort of technique and, and – Tom puts some really interesting flavors and stuff, but they also do this thing. I don't know if it's like widely known because I didn't really know beforehand, but on a Saturday night at like midnight, they turn into a Chinese restaurant and they do a Chinese menu and it's insane. Right. And he went and worked. uh, He was, I think he was working in Australia. Tom, don't be upset if I get any of this wrong. I'm kind of going on hearsay here, but um, I think he was working in Australia and he just decided he wanted to go and work in like a hard out Chinese restaurant and um and learnt like really beautiful skills out there so they t- they turn it into this like chinese food party at midnight so if you book a late table you can like eat twice and uh god yeah I just really this, cool i, I love, love a, these little tricks that chef have that, that
0: they know these other things yeah. that you wouldn't find out because i quality yeah thing is that i
3: have to be in bed by 9 so i was like <laughs> yeah next time Can I a bit a takeaway
2: so what about um Pies in other restaurants
3: yeah i i I always well i'm not going to always try it but i do i do generally try and see what other people are doing as well just because i want to encourage more people to do it right and um that's something that's sort of misunderstood about competition i think quite often in our business like people get intimidated by it uh we really embrace it competition and you know if someone asked me can we come and learn sort of pie making off you? Or can we learn how to make paté and crout off you? Well, Open arms will bring people in. Your restaurant could be next door to mine mm-hmm. and I would teach you the skills because what's the worst co- that can happen is that they, they go back and they make one that's better than ours, right? And that's literally the worst thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. And the, the the effect of that is that we then have to be better. So it pushes us as a restaurant. And, um, and I think that's what people sort of uh, miss with competition and, and that side of it is that it just, it makes us all better at what we do. And uh, and also pies are like, you know, it's a national dish. And um, the more people that have it on their menu and do it well, makes me proud as, as a Brit. So, yeah. Can we do a little quick fire to, to end, it, if you don't mind, Kel? Cool. Please bear in mind it's Monday morning. My brain is solid. They're, never, they're not that quick. <laughs> so don't worry, mate. Like, right. Top three foods you couldn't live without? Uh, butter, uh, ice cream, and Chinese food. <laughs> That's so general. Yeah, I like that though. Oh yeah, we'll it's in that. there. It's we'll in give there. you that. Yeah. Favourite food guilty pleasure? I don't know. Like Breville toasties, probably. I love a to- cheese toastie sandwich. Oh mate. I do them all day long. So good. Yeah.
2: So, we've probably got a few of these as every chef does but biggest kitchen disaster
3: okay that, here we go
2: here we one. go your face little
3: okay so uh god
2: this the is... scotch egg do you come back right yeah
3: so we've <laughs> uh, got him downstairs in the cellar when i was young i worked at, uh there was a uh a one mission star restaurant called chapter one in kent still there still very very good restaurant and uh it was a hard kitchen hardest i've ever worked you learn so much so quickly but it was tough right and um, I was sort of the, the the chimpanzee of the kitchen on the veg section, you know, like the youngest in there, uh, the least ex- experienced. And um, it was a hard veg section, but it was one of those kids. I'm quite resilient character. And, um, you know, when everyone sort of thinks you, you're not going to make it, I'm always like, well, you wait and see. And uh, so I was always like kind of up for it there. And... Um, I think it was a Saturday night on the veg section and we had above your stove that you had, you had a ticket rail that was held up with string, right? Attached to the sort of central range and, um, below it, it was so that you could see the tickets whilst you were cooking. It was quite clever. And, uh, below it, you had all of your little like garnishes on the stove and whatever. And we had these fondants on, uh, that we, we kept in a sort of, um, like an emulsion just kept them warm so like butter and stock on the on the stovetop and it was like Saturday night so busy at that restaurant and I was going down big time like sinking and uh <laughs> why are you laughing it's not like, funny it's man not it's, it's funny not funny I'm loving it oh it's hurting me or anything it's, it's about the it. drama in so it really. and uh checkboard like the check- absolutely full of tickets like doubled up on each other and uh just trying to keep my head above the water and um this little pan that I had the fondance in with the emulsion, the stock had just kept reducing and reducing and reducing. I hadn't noticed to the point where it was just fat. And then it just burst into flames. And what happened was it, <laughs> it, it set fire to the first ticket on the ticket rail. And then all the other tickets went up in flames. And then the two bits of string that were holding the ticket rail up set on fire the whole thing fell down into all of the garnishes that I needed probably for the next 10 tables. Oh no. I remember the sous chef just stuck his head around the corner and was like, Oh mate, you are. And he went- <laughs> <laughs> I love and that. And that was it. No, it was I- like the hardest service of my life. I was going with no tickets. I haven't started again from scratch, but you know, you learn from stuff like that. And, um, yeah. I, I could just imagine the panic. Yeah. And it was a, it's a, yeah. It's generally about when when you think about when things go wrong. It's like things go wrong every day, but it's the pressure you're under at the time, right? And there, the that pressure was immense at that place. But uh, great kitchen though, great kitchen. Um, I feel after the questions aren't very good after that
0: story. <laughs> um, actually, it might work for you more this because you have a yeah a love for the novelty stuff as well. What's your three bits of kitchen you couldn't live without?
3: Uh, ruler, probably. God, that's well, you know, sad, know how the chef say
2: that ruler.
0: What? Yeah, they use rulers every
3: day, man. Um, it's a bit, a little bit boring, but I've got like the most beautiful rolling pin, like a really heavy rolling pin from France, and I take that thing everywhere with me. So. Not on the bus in the morning, but <laughs> if we're ever cooking abroad, but I just took it to Dublin. I took it to Iceland recently and it adds on like 50 quid in fees on the airport because it's, it's so that. heavy. It doesn't matter. No, it's just so beautiful to work with. And it's because like you're, you're right or left-handed generally, right? And uh, it means that you have a bias on one hand. So when you're rolling pastry, naturally you'll always roll slightly heavier with one hand but If you've got one of these beautiful big rolling pins that does the work for you, you're just sort of guiding it, and therefore you just kind of make pastry roll a little bit nicer. That's a little. good answer, man. I have got go third one. Go also, on, third one. You can have as many as you want. Now cut me off, man. Sorry, edit that out and no, I'll leave it in. <laughs> I can't think of anything good now. Let's move on. Move on. You've got a ruler and you've got a rolling pin. Yeah, so bits of equipment that I can't anything do without. There, yeah. um, oh, I've stunned myself now. let's uh, yeah move on i'll think of one i'll come back (laughs) come back Come
2: all right if you had to eat the same meal every day Mm. what would it be
3: mum's roast easy straight off that easy
0: last question um yeah this is gonna be done i'm gonna tailor it for callum but if you could share a pie with anybody Mm. dead or alive anything or anything who would it be
3: When I was younger, I probably would have said someone like Oliver Reed. Nowadays, I'd just be like, "We too much having to deal with him at the table, <laughs> isn't it?" Um, is I've read his autobiography. Yeah, he's got. It's called Brilliant. It's called Read All About Me. <laughs> and there's a story where he's talking about getting stuck in a phone box in Soho, and he has to. He's ringing uh, Michael Parkinson. And he's, he had to get him to come to the phone box to get him out of it because he couldn't find the door. I was like, yeah, it's a chef. I'm sure I've done that a few times in my life. Anyway, uh, yeah, God, oh, it's tough. I love film, so maybe a director. Um, Lynn Ramsey. She's better, amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. I just love her films. And uh, and she's her own person. She's very much like anti-establishment. It's um, really
0: good, really funny as well. Like yeah, dry and I went to good interviews. I wasn't her interviews, she's really fun.
3: Yeah. So yeah, maybe Lynn Ramsey. She looks nice as well. She wouldn't be mean to me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Bigger would you give her the bigger half or would you have the
3: I'll give her the bigger half, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Would that offend her? I don't know. <laughs> I'm overthinking now.
0: Callum, thank you very much. Thank you. Wicked conversation. You. Cheers. Cheers.
3: Man. Excellent talking to you, man. Cool.
2: Thanks so much for listening, listeners. That was a, a very pie special.
0: It was a pie special. I mean, like when you're meeting somebody like that, like Callum, and that's his thing. You can't help but get into it. But I just turned into an absolute geek. And also, the man can tell a story. So I hope you are as hungry as me. <laughs>
2: that was great. So, listeners, you know what to do: like, subscribe, and share. And we'll see you next time.
0: See you soon.